Hey everyone. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Is, is yours kind of smaller still? Should I like lean back? Let's test it. This is Maddie speaking and Maddie alone. And now it's Caitlin speaking and Caitlin alone. It looks pretty good. Okay, I think we're all right. Okay, so today we're going to talk about three more chapters, and we might get it through it kind of quick. Yeah. I think we're just going to, like, outline plot, and there mm-hmm. wasn't, like, a lot of specific things that we wanted to discuss. No. We have, like, one big thing we want to talk about, but yes. we'll get to that a little right. later. Right, Um. So, yeah, sorry that it's been another week, mm-hmm. and that it's been, like, a once-a-week thing, but your girl had a paper due today. And this girl has her graduate applications that are due in a few short days so i've also been busy where are you applying um as of right now i'm applying to the university of chicago brown university university of washington university of oregon um ut austin um university of tulsa Uh um byu and the u BYU doesn't have a PhD, though. They don't, so I'm applying for their master's program. Because if I don't get into a PhD, I obviously need to do something for two years and prep myself to be ready for PhD work. So, And BYU has a really good program. I could be a TA and like go and live in London for a semester with like the study abroad groups and get paid yes. for that. So that's like... Whew, I really want to do that, mostly because I've been like super nostalgic for Europe recently. But, um, but yeah, so that would be really fun. And I would get to teach, and I would get paid. So a master's program is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm just hoping that I get to a PhD program first. So we'll see what happens. I didn't even know because this is how ignorant I am about grad school that like you can go into a PhD program without a master's. I did not know that until I started looking into applications. So you should not feel stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a weird thing with with English programs just because our programs are so long anyway because most of the programs that I'm applying to you're required to be at least like reading fluent with a dictionary in two languages apart from English and then you have to take like a certain number of credits and then you have to take a test proving that you know like all of the books that you've read and then that's when you start working on your dissertation like it's a really long process and you have to get like teaching skills done in there and like certain fellowships and research that you have to do like it takes a really long time so you're like why do a master's if you don't really need it so yeah what languages are you gonna study so i did spanish in high school up to the 202 level yeah so i can remember bits and pieces of it um, like the other day I heard somebody mention helado and I was like, oh, that means ice cream, which uh-huh. was weird because like I haven't spoken Spanish in like almost four years. So I'm going to brush up on that and then hopefully I'll start learning French. Um, and then, yeah, you just have to be able to translate like a 300 word passage, I think in like an hour and a half with a dictionary. So oh, that's not bad. it's just a matter, I think of like learning, like how to conjugate the verbs and things like that, that makes it difficult because the dictionary can't tell you what to do, but so we'll see what happens, but that's yeah, it's a little ways off. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't have to start learning it's French cool. anytime soon. It's cool. I'm done with. Um, I'm graduating in like a month, which is so crazy. I know. And do you have I, a job lined up here? I haven't even started looking. You know what? I've been cool. so swamped this semester. The thing, what's great about graduating in December is that you're not going to be looking with a whole surge of applicants. Like, sure, people are going to be graduating in December, but I feel like the job market is going to be a little bit more open. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. My dad is probably so not happy that I, like, haven't been looking, but I, I literally haven't had time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Don't worry about it. You're good. Just take a deep breath. Realize it'll all work out. I have to keep telling myself that because I can't go to sleep at night <laughs> thinking about all the stuff I have to do. Oh, my goodness. So, there comes a point where just, like, 
it'll be there when I wake up. <laughs> I had a paper due today. It was like a six to eight page paper. And like research paper. Mm-hmm. I started the research yesterday. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um so I like got all like this stuff. Um pro tip guys um that I've learned over the course of my, you know, career, my English career, is um do your works cited page like first or like as you're gathering your sources. Oh my gosh, doing your bibliography after you've written an essay, like I don't want to touch it. Oh, seriously. Ugh. It's like the biggest like pro tip it's ever. So- as you're gathering like your you know your sources mm-hmm. just automatically send them to like refworks or like yeah. make yourself do the citation if it's like not online like make yourself do it right then yeah so that when it comes time to like compiling it like it'll be super quick and oh, you yeah. don't have to worry about it another pro tip that i heard so i'm writing right now a 15 to 20 page paper this is the one i'm actually going to be submitting to graduate schools to this is your senior paper mm-hmm. the virginia yeah, wolf one. exactly yeah so i'm writing on neo-materialism in virginia wolf which like her focus on objects and what that says about materialism in the 20th century and so our teacher told us that um they're gonna like obviously that you're gonna go in and like gut portions of your paper but she's like never delete anything that no. you've written you save it in a separate document because she's like there will be a time in your paper where like oh my gosh I wish I had that section that came at the beginning that I didn't think would fit that I can now stick at the end like where did I put it so another pro tip for you guys writing papers right I call that my dump document yeah yeah I just like whenever I'm cutting anything I just like dump it over mm-hmm. there and that way I can pull from it later if I need yeah. to it's the killing your darlings file too for like creative writing. They say, you know, there might be lines that you really love or like scenes or characters that you really like, but they don't fit with what you're working, like what you're trying to write. And so you have to like kill your darlings, kill the things that you like really love and remove them. So your work is good, but like have an art, like have a document that you just save everything that you love and maybe you'll be able to work that line in somewhere else. So that's so cool. Yeah. Um, awesome Lots yeah of I, helpful tips today yeah, I know I also when I'm like doing my research um if I find like a quote that I think will help pull it immediately mm-hmm. put it in a document and write the up, page number down write the page number and then like once I've gone through something and I've kind of seen like all I want to get like I can remember that like there's other stuff in there but like if I know kind of the few quotes and I have them in a document then I can just like push it away oh, you know what I mean so wonderful. just like discard it and then when I'm writing my paper I literally just have like my document of like all the quotes that mm-hmm. I want to use all and the then, sites like, like my sources my work cited and then I can just like write the paper so anyway so I did all like that pre-stuff like the resource finding mm-hmm. and the quote pulling and um I was done with that by like one in the morning and okay. I was like you know what I kind of want to sleep and so I literally like went to bed at one got up at six and then wrote my paper amazing yeah. when was it due it was due at one thirty-five. sweet look at you go yeah. that's impressive yeah. I mean it was only like a 1750 to 2500 word okay. Okay. piece but I wrote like 2300 words that's so. pretty good yeah yeah. I got an email today from one of my professors saying that she's, like, really liked, like, she's really proud of me for improving my work over the course of the semester. I started out getting, like, an 85%. <laughs> and she's, like, I'm just, like, so proud of the progress that you made because I got a 96% on my last midterm essay. Yes. And I was, like, holla. So it was pretty cool to get an email. <laughs> oh, I really like her. I recommended yeah. that my roommate Catherine take Jerrica. Oh, that was not Jerrica that did that. Oh. but. My, uh, Jerrica Watts is, like, I don't think she'll ever listen to this, and if she does, I'm going to be super embarrassed, but she's my teacher crush. I just love her so much. It's okay. I have two. And it's probably a parent. Like, I probably stare at her, and, like, hearts come into my eyes. Like, that's, how I am with, that's how I am with Mary Irene. Yeah. Like, 
full on. I would like text my friend like during class, like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. I did that to my mom. I was like, she came in wearing a crushed velvet blazer and snakeskin heels with ripped jeans. And I'm like, damn girl. I like, the other day it was almost like she was wearing this really cute dress and I wanted to tell her like, I love your dress. Where did you get it? And I was like, that's really unprofessional. That's like, your clothes are so beautiful. I would just tell somebody else because I like, I sincerely like have a real crush on wearing. Oh, she's, yeah, she's amazing. Also, I have a crush on Kristen Matthews. She, okay, I followed her on Instagram. Yeah. She followed me back, and she's liked a couple of my things. Nice. And it's, like, such a big deal. I, I mean, love that. Not, but it kind of is because. That's kind of exciting. Because she's amazing. Yeah. She really, really yeah. is. She's so smart. and She seems like a really cool lady. She I've never, she is. never taken from her, but. Oh. I've seen her in the hallways, um, and I like her short hair. Yeah, she's, she's great. I can't, I can't sing her praises in that. Wow. She's kind of like one of my, and she doesn't know this and I've never talked to her about any of this stuff, but she's kind of become like my, like progressive spiritual like rock because, um, sometimes like when I get confused or like upset about things that are going on in church or like my testimony or like Mm -hmm. questions that I have. Um, I like think about her and I'm like, if Kristen is still active and like, she's still like devoted with all of the things that she believes that I know, like concerns I have or concerns that she has, then I can, then I can do this. Yeah. 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 So she's kind of become that for me, like a, a spiritual icon. I love that. Look for spiritual icons in your life, guys. Suppose like feminist icons, beauty icons, just look for icons. Like spiritual feminist icon. (sighs) Perfect. Yeah. We all, I think all women need a spiritual feminist icon in their life. I ran into a, prof- a professor from our department at that Mormon feminist thing. Did you really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was, oh, two. There were two there. Really? Yes. Are you allowed to say their names on air? I don't know. Hmm. Well, they, it was a public space. Okay. Um, you don't have to if you don't want Zina to. Zina Peterson, but I've never had her and okay. I don't know her I know who well. she is. Or, I mean, like, I've seen her office before. Right. Um, and then Jason Kerr. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. He's, he teaches Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, a lot of. Very cool. Yeah. He and his wife were there, and I was like... BYU is not homogenous, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that. We have some pretty liberal professors, too, in our department. Which I love. Yeah. Like Matthew Wickman. Like, self-acclaimed Democrat. Like, talks about it all the time. I don't know him very well. Oh, yeah. Like, huge liberal. Which is, like, totally cool. And, like, he um, he's actually in a state presidency up in Salt Lake. And, but like I had him, I've had him for two classes and you know, one of them we had, we were discussing politics in reference to like what we were studying. And he's like, you know, I'm a liberal. I'm not going to like teach you guys my political ideology, but like, these are my thoughts on this thing. And like, you're more than welcome to like discuss this with me. He was like very chill about it, but also like, Hey, this is what I think. And I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Rick Jordan did that too. Oh really? Yeah. That's cool. He's, um, had him for Shakespeare. Have you ever had it? No, but I know, I know the name. Yeah. He's, he's really cool, but he like full on said that he's a Democrat in class and Kristen definitely is, Mm -hmm. um, Kim Johnson. Oh yeah. She's, she's, she, she's an Obama sticker, I think in her her window. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I like, I like all these different, different thought processes. Like even if I don't agree with them like all the time, like. It's cool that there's diversity. I like that. I concur. All right, let's get into these chapters. All righty. Do you want to summarize chapter Yeah, we're going to do chapter seven. 
eight and nine. Sorry, that should have been like chapters seven, mm -hmm. eight, and nine. I hate I'm like catching myself speaking an incorrect grammar all the time now, and I like don't like myself for it. Mostly because I don't like that I notice. <laughs> okay. So chapter seven is in the aftermath of Carrie Helm's parents going on um, the news and kind of describing their daughter's situation and asking anybody to come forward to um, with information and encouraging the police to do something about her disappearance. Um, however, because of this news coverage, Jared, um, Carrie's husband, is being swamped with reporters. They are following him absolutely everywhere. He can't go to work. He can't take Kelly to preschool or kindergarten. Um, and then they show up at church. So Jared, um, Jared is told by our narrator, Linda's husband, Kurt, who's the bishop, that, um, he should probably stay at home as so as not to disrupt the rest of the ward. They're going to bring him sacrament. The, uh, home teachers for Jared are going to come and discuss the lessons with him that are taught at church. Um, and Linda's just kind of left wondering how, um, Kurt's role as bishop fits in with this idea of like shunning a member of the flock in order to save the rest kind of thing mm -hmm. so yeah what do you think i think i think it's really interesting i feel like that's a really difficult situation because you don't want the spirit of your sunday meetings to be ruined mm -hmm. you know um but it's one of those things it's kind of temporary like like she mentions later it will pass either like the story will go cold people mm -hmm. won't care about it as much anymore it'll die down so yeah. like it's not like you can never come back to church but yeah. it's like let's try and keep things a little more yeah Ugh, that's, reverent. that's a hard line to cross i would think right have you ever also had... if he's a killer then he shouldn't be going to church anyway he should be going to church but he should be going that's to true. church in prison <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had like a disruptive sacrament reading service um I mean, there's always just, like, weird ones. Yeah. We um, had the fire alarm go off during one of our sacrament oh. services because a baby had, like, got their hand up past the, like, glass partition and, like, pulled it down. And so then we went back in and, like, our bishop was trying to, like, have us, like, please be quiet so we can, like, invite the spirit back into our meeting. And, you know, the fire alarm went off, so the organist went up and started playing the spirit of God like a fire is burning. So and funny. it was amazing. So funny. <laughs> so. I, um. I one of my biggest pet peeves about like reverence in family wards is like I understand like kids are gonna make noise yeah but you take them out but you don't take them out and let them just run like that's not a punishment no like I remember when I was younger well I don't really remember when it happened to me but like my little sisters would like be making noise in mm -hmm. sacrament meeting my mom would take them out and like hold them tight like in the foyer like, yeah you're not so you can scream but you're gonna like scream out here and you're still not going to get to move yeah. you know so it's yeah. like are you going to be quiet in there and it's hard because like you can't out? that's the only way you can really teach kids to like this is a place where you need to be quiet right but like so. parents let their kids like run around have you noticed how like parenting these days that like yeah. kids are just kind of allowed to roam free I yeah. don't know I don't know. There's, there's value in sitting. I feel I sound like such like a conservative, like old school, like parenting, like advocate. Like yeah. everybody spank your children, but like yeah, but it put the fear of God in me. Like um, my mom, if we were making like when we were older, if we were like talking too loud mm -hmm. or making noise, and she'd be like up playing the organ, mm -hmm. she would just like look down at us, and you're like, I and know, we I had to, to like quiet. shut up. 
Or, like, if she was down there with us and we were, like, fighting on the row, she would just, like, squeeze our arm. Like, just <laughs> hold on and, like, squeeze. And it would hurt so bad. That's hilarious. But, like, we would behave. My mom hits me when I misbehave. So, mostly because I sing songs like Love at Home in my Snow White falsetto voice. And she is laughing and also saying that I'm being irreverent. So, I'm sure the bishopric many a time has wondered why my mom is, like, slapping my arm as me and my brother are laughing hysterically. Um, We're kind of dysfunctional. Yeah. But But when, like, people just let their kids, like, roam the aisles during sacrament meetings, like, maybe not. Maybe not. Like, kids who run up onto the stand and everybody thinks they're really cute. And I was like, No! Put your kids on the bench and make them stay there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just. But, I mean, I guess there are some kids that, like, physically can't stay still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's a fine line. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm more on, like, the crotchety conservative side when it comes to that. Uh, I feel the same way. So, <laughs> sorry, future children. <laughs> your life is going to suck. <laughs> Which probably means if I ever have children, they're going to be, like, the most, like, terrible, like, terrorizing, like, <sighs> Maybe. My mom ever. said, like, all of us were, like, me and my siblings were all, like, she's like, you would have never thought to, like, do, like, be disruptive. And I was like, I hope I have kids like that with, like being irreverent just like doesn't cross their Um, minds no I like when I babysat growing up I kind of like could see kind of you know different parenting styles Mm -hmm. and like how their kids were and there was like one family and they're so chill like I'm still friends with the parents um the dad and I was this the one where you babysat and everybody thought the baby was yours no okay (laughs) this family or the hides they live in um hong kong now they've lived there for like 10 years hey my cousins live in hong kong i wonder if i'm sure they run into it because they have the one yeah exactly they probably know each other yeah Yeah. i'm pretty sure my my uncle's in like either the bishopric or the state council something because that's just who my uncle is he's great but that's awesome funny yeah um they have two boys and a little girl, but now they're all, like, teenagers now, which makes me feel so old. But when I used to babysit them... Um, oh, the dad would pick me up on his Harley, too. Oh, my gosh. Really cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Or let me drive, like, his truck. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, like, the kids were so well-behaved, it was almost disconcerting because I know how terrible, like, I was to babysitters. Not terrible, like... I left a scar on one of my babysitters. I bit her. <laughs> Oh my gosh. She put me was, in a, she put me in a headlock though, so I feel like okay. that was warranted. Yeah, I was just obnoxious and I like loved being in charge as a kid and so like having a babysitter kind of like threw off my groove. It's weird being the oldest and then have someone else come in and be the oldest. Right. Oh my gosh, I knew what it was like to be a younger sibling. Gosh, <laughs> you guys have it so tough. Right, but so I would just like be manipulative and yeah. try and like negotiate my way out of like bedtimes and everything and like just I was I was terrible. That's funny. Um, But these kids were so good. Like, um, we'd be, like, watching a movie, and they would, they were able to tell time. Like, these kids are also super smart. Yeah. And one was, like, I don't know, like, six or seven, and the older one, and he would, like, look at the clock, like, a few minutes before their bedtime, Mm -hmm. and he'd be like, all right, I think it's time we turn off the movie because we have to get ready for bed. And I'm like, (laughs) yes! Angel children. I know. I was like, and I would like try to be like the cool babysitter. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, you guys can like stay up and finish the movie. Like, it's totally fine. They're like, no, we really should go to we bed. Need, we need to go yeah. to bed. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, like, That's go fine for with it. me. I mean, I was trying to be like super chill, but like, yeah. you know, 
whatever floats your boat. And so, like, they'd get up and, like, go brush their teeth and, like, get all ready for nice. bed. I was like, I want to, like, clone you kids or, like, I don't know. If I ever have children, then I'll have to, like, call Mike and be like, Mike, tell me every single thing yeah. that you and Angela did. <laughs> yeah. No, really, though. That it's I just, can have that. Yeah. Being a parent is going to be interesting. Yeah. 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 I hope... I hope my kids are, like, reserved and, like, to entertain themselves. Like, yes. I did. I did that, too. Like, reading mm-hmm. all the time and stuff. But, mm. anyway. So, so don't disrupt sacrament meetings. Yes. Be mindful of your fellow worshippers. Especially if you have potentially killed your wife. <laughs> yes. That is also important. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> don't kill your wives. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, that's, like basically that chapter yep then chapter eight um is about lydia going to visit jared at his house mm-hmm. um on request of her husband yeah right she brings some homemade bread right which sounds delicious right and now. so oh my gosh that passage about her like baking the bread like pulling it out of the oven yes both caitlin and i agreed that if we could only eat one thing for the rest of our lives it would be bread and butter oh hands down oh no so question. good like that's all i want to eat sometimes yeah. it's so good yeah it really really is yeah um it really st- well there was some bread in ecuador like you could just buy like you know like five cent like rolls of like mm-hmm. these panaderias but people didn't eat bread like with meals like we do really oh really it was just rice like breakfast lunch and dinner okay rice like mounds of rice yeah and I wasn't like a huge rice fan like going into my mission do you like rice now um yes okay I don't like the rice I make okay they made the rice in Ecuador was like oily and salty oh so (laughs) didn't even taste like rice win-win but um there was just like so much of it. It was just volume. Like it was good, and I like got used to it. And I really liked it. But it was a lot. But yeah, the the quantity yeah. made it difficult because mm. the the taste was there most of the time. So yeah, it was bad rice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Lin- Linda takes over this warm bread to Jared, mm-hmm. and she's like trying to like surreptitiously see where Kelly is and make yeah. sure she's okay. Remember that Kelly's the five year old daughter. Yep. And this was the first time that. Um, Linda really felt any empathy toward Jared. Yeah. He was obviously, like, caring for his daughter and trying to make sure that she was happy. And he was trying to balance the reporters outside. And so she saw that his life was pretty hectic. But she wondered if his life was hectic because he murdered his wife. Yeah. Still a question. We don't know where yeah. Carrie is. Yeah. She's not come back. Yep. Um... Oh, and then Jared asks her to look over a statement that he's drafting to, like, Mm -hmm. give to the press. He doesn't want to talk to them, but he, like, drafted the statement. Yeah. And um, I guess we could read it. Yeah. Do you want to? Sure. You should know that he did not want to talk to the police, only the press. Yes. So. Which is also a little fishy. Yeah. I just don't like this dude. No. He was a misogynistic a-hole. Right. And, um, the thing about this, this, like, passage, this statement that he's sending to the press is that it negates all of Linda's, like, good feelings Mm -hmm. for him. Yeah. Um, this is what it said. It says, literary present, guys. (laughs) I always, no, I don't always forget that, but sometimes I forget. (laughs) 
Yeah, I have to be like, no. It is happening yeah. currently. Yes. In books, it always happens. It's kind of like um, uh, like the whole concept of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> but like, um, the whole thing is is that like they're never dead. No. Because anytime the play is opened again, they're alive again. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like I mean, it's part kind of the thought behind the literary present yeah. is that like the book never is done. Yeah. Like, it's never in the past because it's also the idea of, yeah, of time travel. It. Like every moment is an infinity because the reason that you can go back and travel in time is because that moment always exists. Like that moment is always happening. So blow my mind, girl. Dude, Doctor Who, man, just <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. I haven't gotten on that bandwagon. You yet. know what? It is sometimes a hard bandwagon to get onto. It's definitely like a cult following in the yeah. in the sense that it's like. It's not always, like, fantastic acting or, like, fantastic special effects, but it's just, like, the heart of the show is just wonderful. And I'll be honest, David Tennant is, like, one... 